We're studying First, Second Peter chapter 1, and we're talking about how the Lord wants us to grow. He wants us to add into our lives certain things, and he mentions them, such as self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, faith, knowledge, so forth. And, and he tells us if we do add those, that certain things will be true of us. First of all, we will be effective. We won't be ineffective and won't be unproductive. We'll be productive and effective. But notice what he says. This is a warning in verse 9. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. So if we don't take seriously the fact that we need these qualities and, and ask God to put them into our lives and ask his spirit to enable us to do what is necessary on our part, then he says, we're blind. We, we just can't see. And we're going to stumble around and make all kinds of bad decisions and do things that are less than what God wants us to be. So he's really encouraging us, but he's also warning us that it's really important to grow. If you're still a baby Christian and you've known Christ for three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, and something's desperately wrong, you ought to be far along in your walk with him. And it's not too late to start, no matter how long you've known him. If you, if you choose today to begin to grow, he will enable you to grow. He will enable you to make the right choices, and he will give you strength to grow. But notice he goes on. Verse 10, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is emphasizing that there are some things we have to do. Certainly there's grace, which is God's unmerited favor poured out on us, God giving us what we need but don't deserve. And that's the only way we can be saved is through his grace. But we have to do something, and that's believe him. We have to have faith. And... And here he says, "Here's I want you to do these things, the things he's just mentioned, the things he's talked about before. And if we do that, that's an indication. He says that will confirm your calling and election. What he's saying is that will prove you're a Christian. That will show that you've really met Christ. That will reveal to other people that you're truly God's child and you're not just a church member or just somebody who claims to be a good person. And he says, and if you do these things, here's what will happen. You will never stumble. That's pretty, pretty powerful. You'll never stumble. Well, I think that's probably true. If we're, if we're living out all these things in our lives, we won't stumble. Of course, the problem is we don't always live out every one of them. And so sometimes we do stumble. But he says, also, you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord. When Jesus comes back or we die and go to heaven, We'll be welcomed, and we'll hear that word, well done, good, and faithful servant. I made you ruler over a few things. Now I'm going to, I mean, you, you ruled over a few things on earth. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things in heaven. Now Peter moves on. Beginning at verse 12, he wants to give them some reminders, some things that they, that they need desperately to keep ever before them. And I want to point out to you, what they are. Let me let me begin with verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live 
in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus has made clear to me and I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. Peter says there are some things that are essential, some truths that you've got to remember. You've got to bank everything on daily. You've got to base your daily life on. And I'm going to remind you of these things as long as I'm living, Peter says, and I'm going to refresh you. Remember, you think, well, I've heard those over and over and over again. But repetition is the best teacher. And Peter believed that and practiced it. And he kept saying to them, you need to recognize these things, these things that are true. And he some of the basics he's already mentioned. He's going to mention the most base, one of the most basic of all in just a minute. And he said, I know that I'm not going to live very long. I've, the Lord's revealed to me that he's going to take me home before long. He's made it clear to me, he said. And so he said, even after my departure, I'm going to make sure that I have put in place some ways that you'll be able to remember these things. Well, well he put it in place by writing First and Second Peter. And that will make a difference if we read those words that he has for us. So here's, here's what he really wants you to know. Verse 16, for we, do, we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Peter says, I want you to know that when we declared to you Jesus and told you about what he did and what he said and the miracles that he performed, it was, we were not telling you uh, just some stories we made up. This was the absolute truth. This was the power of God. We were, we were eyewitnesses. We saw Jesus with our own eyes. We saw what he did. And he, he points out one particular one. For he said he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory singing, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and we were with him on the sacred mountain. He was talking here about what's recorded in the Gospels of the transfiguration of Jesus, we call it. It was the time that Jesus took Peter, James, and John, went up on a mountain, and there Moses and Elijah came down from heaven and visited with him and encouraged him on his way to the cross. And it, the glory of God was on that mountain so great that they were blinded and fell on their faces. And, and finally, God spoke in the midst of all that and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And he said, uh, I love him. God said, I love him. So they said, we heard God speak. We heard that voice. We were there. We saw it all with our own two eyes. And we, we re, it was revealed to us on the Mount of Transfiguration. And that was something that only Peter, James, and John got to experience. They shared it with the other disciples. And Peter just so misinterpreted it. He said, well, I'd like to build three tabernacles here and just stay up here. And uh, one, for, one for Jesus and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But Jesus said, no, you need to get back down into the valley where the needs are and, and share, share my name and share my love and, and teach and preach and do the things God wants you to do. And God puts us on the mountain sometime where we have a great new experience with him, but he doesn't leave us there because the needs are in the valley, and we have to get back down in the valley where we can make a difference, where we can touch people's lives, where we can show folks. So 
Peter says we were there. We were eyewitnesses. So the word of God is true. Let's believe that. I hope you